So we are continuing in our year of yes. It's a great year. It's a great year to do the year of yes. We've done some series of the uh, pro- considering the promises of God. We talked about hope. We talked about the encounter, all subtopics of this idea of yes, where all of God's promises are yes in Christ. And this subseries, we're talking about finding your yes, finding your yes, not did I tell you last week that two weeks ago that Coles has a find your yes, hashtag find your yes on their marketing campaign? So if you see it graffitied on the side, you know where I was in the middle of the night. No. Uh, finding your yes is what we're talking about. We're not talking about, it could feel like this, we're not talking about finding your purpose in life because that's so huge and so grand and so much pressure and so definitive and really constrictive because we don't necessarily think that your purpose is once and for all. We think you have many purposes that you find in many areas of your life as you go through each season and choices and day and decisions. So we're not talking about finding your purpose necessarily. We're talking, we think actually your purpose in life is finding your yeses, finding your yeses, finding the places where you're going to say yes to God with your choices, your investments, your commitments, your steps of faith, your... um, your disciplines, your priority, these are about our choices. It's asking the question, what's your life all about? That's finding your yes or finding your yeses. What are your yeses about? It's about living intentionally the way that God would want us to be and to live. That's finding your yes. We've been talking about finding your yes. This morning we want to talk about finding our yes, about finding our yes as the church. It's about answering the question, what's our church all about? What should our church be about? And we kind of wanted to stop here in January before we got too far into 2015, reorient, reboot, say, yeah, again, what's our yes? How do we find our yes as a church? How do we answer the question, what should we be about? What are we about as a church? You know, I I think it's funny that um, we always laugh about this as pastors, that um, You may, those of you who aren't in vocational ministry, like you don't do God for a living, like that thing. If if when you like talk to people about God, I'm not sure how you get there in the conversation always, but it always comes up for us right at the beginning. Can you imagine? Like, so you meet somebody, you're at a cocktail party, you're at a school function, whatever. And they're like, so what do you do? And then I go, well, um, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And I always say something qualifying, like I'm actually a pastor. Like there's actual people who do that. Well, I'm a pastor. And then you just feel socially like, you know, like, because they don't really know what to do with it. They don't know like who you are or what that means. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I've never been in like near a real, like a pastor before, you know, especially as our culture becomes less and less oriented to people that have grown up in church or they, you know, they just haven't had that background. But so the interesting thing about it is, is they always kind of really want to know once they realize that I'm not a super crazy freak, they want to do like, so what? Like, what church? Like, what kind of, like, what do you guys do? Like, you can, you're in here, so unless this is like your first time ever in a church, you probably can't even remember what I'm talking about here. But it's like, what happens behind those closed doors in that weird place? So they're always, so like after, like at a dinner party, after they got a couple glasses of wine in them, they'll work up the, the courage to say, so like walk through like a, like it's Sunday, right? Like walk through And if the Niners have the early game, like, you know, they're like, how do you do this thing? Really, they're asking, what's your church about? What do you guys do in there? Isn't that a good question? What is our church about? What are we to be about? What are our investments and priorities and choices and commitments and disciplines? 
Because if we're the church, then that collective identity will lead us to some collective yeses. What are our yeses? We talked about that finding your yes comes from knowing who you are. Over the last couple of weeks, my sermon and fourth and then Ben's sermon last week about spiritual pathways. There's something about what your identity is that leads you to these choices and commitments, these yeses. It's rooted in your identity. Well, similarly, friends, finding our identity collectively comes from knowing who we are as a church. Finding our yes is about our collective identity, how we're to live as the church. That collective identity is in the scriptures. I want you to look at it with me in Ephesians chapter 2. There's a verse in Ephesians 2 or a set of verses in Ephesians 2 where Paul's talking to them about their identity. It was interesting because they were kind of unchurched people in a sense. They were not Jewish background. So they, these Ephesians didn't really know all that old school kind of stuff. So they were discovering who they were as a church sort of afresh as they were discovering Jesus for the first time. And Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 19 and following, and it's on the screen. He says, consequently, now that you're the church, he basically says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, this whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to be a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is your collective identity, he says. You're citizens with God's people of God's house. You are a temple. You're becoming a dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You, this is our identity, friends. This is our collective identity, that we are his people. We're his people in every sense of the word, his people. We're his people in that we're, we belong to him. We're his people in that we pay attention to him. We're his people in that he indwells this place, which is a little hard to explain in a cocktail party, by the way. <laughs> oh, what we do? Well, first of all, we gather and then Jesus shows up to make us a holy dwelling by his spirit. Like, you know, you know, but that's who we are. And if this is our identity, then there's going to be some yeses that come out of that identity. And the three of us this morning want to look at a couple of these aspects of our collective identity and then kind of some yeses that might come out of it. Who are we to be as a church is rooted in who we are. And so let's talk about that. And the first one is that we're a worshiping church. We're a worshiping church. That makes sense, doesn't it, that we'd be a worshiping church if our collective identity is that we're his people and we're in his presence and his spirit is here and we live for him, that there would be this idea, yes, that we're a worshiping church, that we would love him and adore him and give him praise and give him attention. It makes sense that we would do that. You know, our mission statement has this embedded in it. Our mission statement is that we, engage, that we exist, Marine Covenant exists, to engage with the spiritually hungry toward Christ, toward a life in Christ, that's inspired, intelligent, and involved. We engage with the spiritually hungry, which, by the way, is all of us and all your neighbors, and, oh, by the way, every single last human being. But we're going to engage with the spiritually hungry toward Christ in a way that's inspired, intelligent, and involved. And inspired, and we've also called it head, heart, hands. Inspired, intelligent, involved. Heart, head, hands. I did it the wrong way. Heart, head, hands. This is kind of that heart piece. That we're a worshiping people, that our hearts get engaged in a relationship and an adoration and a love and an intimacy with God himself. 
This is our identity. We're a worshiping church. We do believe that he's present in this place, that he inhabits the praises of his people, that he's in this room by his spirit, and that we can encounter him and worship him and give him ready, you know, the glory due his name. We're a worshiping people. I want you to just hear this first. I don't have it on the screen. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, listen, you, you can hear this identity and then it leads to worship. Got it? Identity that leads to worship. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. These are pieces of identity that's rooted in, in, uh, uh, in Scripture. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and listen to this one, a people belonging to God so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is your identity. You're these incredible people of God, so go declare his praises. The one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, it says in verse 10, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. This is our identity. We're a worshiping church. And so, so like, you know, there's some collective yeses that come out of this. Well, if we're a worshiping church, our worship, friends, is born out of, it's born out of his glory. It's born out of who he is, isn't it? It's born out of that, whoa, this is God, the creator, sovereign, Lord of the universe, who, who that we, 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 we desire with our lives and with our hearts and with our minds to magnify. I mean, it's, this is a, we worship out of who he is. And so there's this collective yes to be God focused on his character and on his nature and on his truth. So one of our yeses that come out of this identity is if we're worshipers is that we're going to worship who God really is. So we're going to be God focused. That's our yes as a church. Does that meet up with what you see when you come into our church on a Sunday morning? This is a God focused place, friends. You get that? I mean, this is not a social club. I mean, it's social and it's kind of beats like a club sometimes. Especially that bass player today, man. The old man's like, what? What's he saying? It's not a social club. <laughs> he goes, I'm explaining it to Ben. No, this, we're God-focused, aren't we? We come in this place and we recognize that God is in this place and our worship is going to be pointed toward him. And so that's our yes, our collective yes, as we come in here and we're all about him and we're going to be focused on him. And your part, by the way, in that collective yes, your little part, is to get focused. Because we come into this place for worship and often we're not focused. But our collective yes is to focus on God. We come in here distracted. We come in here self-centered. We come in here having fought all the way down. There's all kinds of reasons why we're distracted from focusing on God. So I'm like, man, let's get our head in the game. We're a worshiping church. We're God-focused. Let's get focused. We worship him in his glory. We worship him out of gratefulness as well. We're worshipers, then we worship out of gratefulness. We worship for what has happened. That's why this verse is talking about that you may declare the praises of him who what? Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We become a people of worship who come and get in touch with how grateful we are for what God has done in our lives. So not only are we God-focused, but we're sort of Jesus-centered for what Jesus, we recognize what Jesus has done. See, we're not just God people, friends. We're Jesus people. And we believe that he has come and redeemed us and rescued us and brought us, as the scripture says, out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were once you had not received mercy, and now you have been received mercy. Once you were not a people, there was not this identity of being God's people, but now you're the people of God. Why? Because Jesus came and saved us. And so we're Jesus people. We're God-centered. We're Jesus 
We're being God-focused. We're Jesus-centered. And so what it was our, that's our collective yes. We're centered on Jesus and what he's done and what he can do in your life and what he can do in this world. We will be relentless about centering our thoughts and our conversation and our ministry around the truth that Jesus changes lives. That's what we're going to be about. So we're worshipers. Our collective yes is let's be God-focused and let's be Jesus-centered. And you, your part of that collective yes is to never forget your story. And you come in here and worship and you go out there and share as worshiping people your story that he has rescued you. I've got a note in my Bible that says, do not forget how desperately lost you were without Christ. Do not forget it. We don't come in here going, man, look how super I am now. That's not worship, friends. Worship is coming in here and saying, man, I have been desperate for Jesus and look what he's done in my life and I will remember my story and give him praise. We worship out, out of, we worship is glorious, so we're God-focused. We worship out of gratefulness, so we're Jesus-centered. And the last one I can't, we have to mention as well. We worship, we're God, it's gospel-centered, it's truth-centered. Our worship is truth-centered. John 4 is Jesus' teaching where he says there's going to be a day when, when people will worship in spirit and in truth. We're truth-centered. We're biblically informed in our worship because we're going to worship what we understand has been revealed to us about who God is, what he has done, and what is possible through Christ. This is where we, our faith is informed and built and strengthened and our target is you know, crystallized for us. It's through being biblically informed. So our worship is part of it. And don't you see that when you come in? I mean, this isn't just about music. No, it's God-focused and Jesus-centered, right? But it's also not just about music. It's worship. It's not just about music worship, but it's about getting into the Word so that we're biblically informed as God's people. That's why we study the Word. That's why we preach the Word. That's why your pastors spend time preparing for, this, for sermons. So the truth is in our worship. We're worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And by the way, that's part of the, you know how we said it that we exist to lead people toward Christ with heart and head and hands. This is the head part of the head part, is that we're going to live in the truth about who he is and who he's not so that we worship in truth. We're a worshiping church, and our yes, if that's our identity, that we're a worshiping church, then our yes is going to be God-focused and Jesus-centered and biblically informed. So that's part of our corporate identity, the idea that we are a worshiping church. But that's not all there is to our corporate identity. We're also a missional church. And I can't think of a better example of the merging of those two ideas, somebody who experiences worship and then right away moves to mission, than Isaiah chapter 6 in the first few verses. And Isaiah records this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. So he's got a worship experience going on here. High and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another this expressive statement of worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Can you picture that? So this is just happening over and over and over again in this vision Isaiah has. 
And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. It was quite an expressive worship experience, a tactile one. And then he experiences what Pastor Jeff just mentioned, his idea of never forget how lost you were without the Lord. Isaiah does that, and he says, his response is, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, and in context, Isaiah must have been expecting to be destroyed by that live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. So this white heart, hot coals coming toward him. And with it, he touched my mouth. And instead of destroying me, he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Now remember, Isaiah is the only one in the room. He and the seraphs that are flying around and the Lord that he's worshiping. And he said in response, here am I, send me. And the Lord said, go and tell this people. We are, in terms of our corporate identity, the, the, the place from which we find our yeses and our corporate yes, we are a worshiping church. We are also a missional church. Right on the heels of worship comes the challenge to mission. The great Charles Spurgeon once said, Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. He made no space for anything in between. And I think it could also be said of every church. Every church is either a missional church or a faux church, a pseudo church. Every church is either a missional church or they're playing a game. They're an imposter. That's why we talk about heart, head, and what? Hands. What we talk about not just being aware of spiritually hungry people, but engaging with those who are spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ that's inspired, intelligent, and what? Involved, because mission is everything. Mission was the first thing on God's mind. Once he was sure, Isaiah was sure of just who it was that was causing all the quaking and all the smoke to be in the air. Once God was sure that Isaiah understood what was going on and what he was feeling in the midst of all of that purity and that he was a humble and repentant worshiper. Mission challenge happens right away. And on that amazing day of missional challenge, we could put it this way, Isaiah found his yes. The Lord said, who will go for me? And Isaiah looked around and seeing no scapegoat, He said, I'm right here, send me. He said, yes. And many of the folks in our congregation are finding their yes. We've been talking about it as a year of yes, but people have been saying yes to God over and over again. And they're finding not only their personal yes and representing that missional value in themselves, but they are really finding that and representing it from the context of our corporate missional identity. Every one of your yeses really shows something that we value that expresses who we are. For instance, the two women who now worship with us that I'm aware of, who years ago had a heart for other women and their children when they were really in trouble, and they started a little ministry that is now known as Gilead House. 
It was born out of two of the women who are now worshiping with us. And more recently, they've said yes to the challenge to launch a ministry you may have heard about called a Mentor Me Marin, which is modeled after Mentor Me ministry up in Petaluma, where it connects people of faith with a local school and families that need some help and need a mentor. RES is represented in those who gave pledges to our building campaign because our building campaign took a portion of everything we brought in and gave it away to someone else, a pretty good portion of money. And that resulted in the launching of a ministry in South Thailand, a ministry to primarily to Muslims uh, and HIV age affected people. We now know that there are about 400 new Christians directly as a result of that in South Thailand that were formerly Muslims. And they're not just people who have said, okay, I'm in and raised their hand. They've actually gone in public to the beach and been baptized as Christians, making a public statement. Our yes was represented in those contributions. It was represented, that corporate yes, in Marin Covenant years ago, more than 30 years ago, while we were still young and struggling church ourselves, giving ourselves away and planting a covenant church up in Santa Rosa that now worships about a thousand people on Sunday morning, wonderful church, tremendous children's ministry, and all sorts of outreach to that community. Our corporate identity was shown in those yeses. It's shown in young Annabella, who cared about one of our grade school girls, who was aware of her sadness in her heart over the fact that children who were stuck in uh, shelters sort of got left behind at Christmas and seemed to be stepped over. And her heart was wounded by that. So she did something about it. God challenged her and she said yes. And Annabella's gifts was born from that. It's represented in Sophie, one of our junior high students, who was aware, became aware at school that so many of her friends knew nothing about God and actually had spiritual hunger. So Sophie did what Sophie could do. She went and felt the Lord saying, invite your friends to your youth group. And she went and invited them to her youth group. And the friends are still coming to that youth group. It's recognized and expressed in Nathan, one of our college students, who found his yes in a full-time call to Christian service to be a pastor, went to school, then went to seminary, and now is looking for a call. And Dan, an adult uh, in our church who's an architect, who wanted to use all he'd learned through all of his life of theological education, felt like it was underused, became aware of an opportunity to help struggling pastors through an internet ministry in Africa. And now he's really deeply involved in that. Our yes, our corporate yes, is expressed in the yes of Doug and Eliana, who members of our church for some time now who became aware of their heart, a growing heart for older folks in our community who were also discarded and left behind and seemed to be seen as irrelevant. And they poured their lives into that. Our missional identity is seen in our yes to God when God asked us to provide a place of worship for a Farsi-speaking church in Marin, and we said yes. When Hamilton School has more needs than it has resources to meet the needs, and God says, Marin Covenant, will you say yes? We say yes. When Hunters Points need, the Hunters Point area in San Francisco needs a new church, and we made a significant contribution to help plant that new church, and on and on and on I could go about the way your individual yeses are representing the yes of our community. We are a worshiping church, but we are a missional church. Theologian David Bosch wrote this. Mission is seen as a movement from God in the world. The church is viewed as an instrument for that mission. There is church because there is mission, not vice versa. 
there is church because there is mission, not vice versa. To participate in mission is to participate in the movement of God's love toward people since God is a fountain of sending love. Put more plainly, Rowan Williams, former Archbishop of Canterbury, said this. It's the same statement, just more plainly put. It is not the church of God that has a mission. It is the mission of God that has a church. And people in our church, I mean, they seem to be fine. You all seem to be finding your yeses and representing our corporate value. You know, it's left and right, all over the place. More often than the Niners are firing great coaches and the Giants are winning World Series titles. I mean, it's like every year we're hearing about new things people are doing in response to us. That's why, among other things, we are a missional community, a community that's always looking to find both our individual but also our corporate yes, our expression of yes in response to a question God has been asking, is now asking, and until he's done working on earth, will continue to ask. Who will go for me? Whom shall I send? Well, I think it's, um, it's a humbling honor to be a pastor um, at our church. We have an incredible church because we are sold out to making space for people to know and encounter Jesus Christ, to worship him, to point people towards him, to allow the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of them, transform them, redeem them, and then send them. And we are committed for anyone in any part of our congregation who says, God has called me to do this for us as a staff and as a church to find ways to support them and send them out. And it is true, Art had a significantly longer list and we had to say, simmer down, man. I need my seven minutes here. But it could go on forever. But the deal is that we are the people of God. We are the household of God and every household has a specific DNA. And our DNA is that we are a worshiping church. And our DNA is that we're a missional church. And there's a tone in which we're going to try to live that out. And that is that we are going to be a welcoming church. And we're a welcoming church is because we are people who worship and are sent by a welcoming God. The entire story of God is God coming to us, to a broken and rebellious people and finding ways to interact with them, finally culminating in the incarnation of Jesus, where Jesus Christ comes to earth and interacts with human beings. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, everyone that he comes in contact with is welcome. It doesn't matter what race you are. When he goes and meets the woman at the well, that she's a Samaritan woman, he makes space and engages her. It doesn't matter if he was a, you're a centurion, a centurion and you work for the Romans or the IRS for now. You know, it didn't matter to Jesus. It didn't matter if you were a wealthy benefactor or, a, or someone who had physical impediments who couldn't even move or walk. It didn't matter who you were. You had access to Jesus, and Jesus saw you and made space for you. And because that is the ministry of Jesus, that is the ministry that we want to have at Marin Covenant Church. Thanks, man. Thanks. In Mark chapter 10, it says this, that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. 
And as a children's pastor, it's an incredible passage. And as a Christian, it's an incredible passage. This picture that Jesus longs for the little children, the weakest and most frail and unseen part of that culture, to come and sit on Jesus' lap so that he could bless him. As a disciple of Christ, it's really a challenging passage of scripture. For the disciples, they were Jesus' closest followers, and they told the children to beat it, to get out of the way. And not because they hated kids, but because they loved Jesus. They wanted to protect Jesus. They wanted to protect Jesus' identity and his reputation. And Jesus rebuked them. And for as a pastor at our church, as a staff member, as part of the leadership of our church, we've taken that to heart. It is a harsh rebuke for Jesus to say, get out of the way so that people can come and meet me and be blessed by me and to know me. And we are a church made up of disciples of Jesus Christ, and we are flawed and broken individuals. And it is a hard and delicate balance, a balance of how to behave around people. And if we want to be a welcoming church, and if God's call for our church is to be welcoming for every type of person in every corner of Marin County should be welcome here at Marin Covenant Church, then we, as the disciples of Jesus Christ, have to figure out how to get out of the way how to make space next to us for people who look different than us, who act different than us, who smell different than us, who whatever the thing is, they are different. And Jesus wants an opportunity to meet them and to bless them. And the rebuke is that we have to get out of the way. Now the delicate balance again for us is as a disciple of Jesus Christ, how in one hand do we honor Jesus? How do we worship him? How do we point people towards him and say, Jesus, you are Lord alone and we want everyone to know and love you. And at the same time, welcome, open our doors to every single person on the planet. I think the way that we move forward is that we have to trust Jesus to do the work that he is going to do through the Holy Spirit. It is not our job as the disciples of Jesus to choose ahead of time who Jesus can bless or not bless. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is awful and it is challenging. And it is out of good-hearted mistakes that we often close the doors on people. So if we step out of the way and say anyone and everyone from every walk of life is welcome here at Marin Covenant Church, then also the thing that we have to be unified in is that we have to point towards Jesus, that we have to make space so people can actually encounter Jesus for themselves and hear from them. And what's interesting is when you read through the gospel accounts, just being welcoming and people meeting Jesus wasn't the end-all be-all. If it was, the whole world would be Christians by now. People encountering Jesus, Jesus might have difficult things for us and for them. He's going to have hard things for them. There's been plenty of people in the ministry of Jesus who came to Jesus and then walked away once they realized what it meant to know and love Jesus. And it breaks Jesus' hearts when people walk away. And so people are going to come to our church. People are going to come encounter Jesus. And people are going to go, you know what? That's not for me. And that is really okay. What it is not for us as the disciples of Christ to be in the middle and to make that decision for people. It is our job to make sure from the smallest child to the oldest adult that every single person in this county has an opportunity to know and love Jesus. And what they do with it, that is on him. Now, I have a couple uh, yeses for us as a church that are a little bit of a challenge, um, but I think is going to help us move forward in this. And the first is, for those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ, who long 
to honor Jesus, who longed to protect him, to long to protect his reputation, the very first yes for us is, are we willing to make space in our heart and in our lives for people next to us? Are we willing to simply just make space for the other person? Not just your best friend, but whoever God brings into our church to make space for them, to engage them, to treat them with the dignity that they deserve. As a, as a child of God, as a human being made in the image of God, do we have that space in our heart? The second is all of us have different issues in our lives that cause our skin to, you know, our hairs to hand, stand up on end when certain people are around us. Whatever the issue is, it caught, it's a personal thing for us. And we unintentionally get in the way of those people knowing Jesus because of our own issues. And are, willing, are we willing to just be reflective and own, what are my own issues? What are the things that I'm doing that are standing in the way so that people can come and encounter God? And for some of you in this room who aren't disciples of Jesus, but are just trying to figure out who this Jesus person is, maybe one of your yeses simply needs to be to forgive us. We are broken and flawed people trying to know and love Jesus. And we might have given you a dirty look, or we might have looked you up and down, or we might have treated you in a way that you didn't think should be treated at a church. And we are sorry. We are broken human beings. But would you not define us by our worst moment and be willing to offer us a little bit of grace? And would you, who someone might be trying to figure out who this Jesus person is, would you be willing to take one step closer to Jesus? Would you be willing to read the scriptures, engage in worship, figure out what your yes is, try to live out who God has called you to be, and see if being a disciple of Jesus Christ is what God has for you? Because here at Marin Covenant Church, we simply want to engage with the spiritually hungry, and all of us move towards a life in Christ that is intelligent, inspired, and involved. Amen and amen.